Welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast, the podcast for all things operations. Hello, Operate Intelligently listeners. This is another episode COVID special of the Operate Intelligently podcast. I am Joshua Peach, and I am really excited to have a longtime friend with me here today. Uh, We go back 10 plus, probably 15 years. Uh, He is my go-to guru, everything school security related, and that's beyond active shooter, that's natural disaster, that's vandalism, that's everything. I'll tell you before I introduce you, I got to find this picture. Actually, I'll introduce you while I'm finding the picture. His name is Paul Tim, and he works for Facility Engineering Associates. And uh, welcome, Paul, my longtime friend. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, and I have a feeling I know what photo you're looking for right now. Oh, no, you haven't seen this one. I searched high and low today for this photo. Um, I searched high and low for this photo. This is the background showcase screen. Uh, So a little background, Paul is a security expert that goes in and does a lot of different things. But one of the things he does is he does assessments on accessibility and being able to get into school buildings and, and, and hard access and name badge access and everything else. And he always has these pictures of rocks next to doors, which we always overlook. And those rocks, because of their location, is what people use to prop the doors open and make schools even more vulnerable than they than they than they are, even if the door is closed. And uh, so I've I've always been one of those looking around. Now I have to look around for broomsticks because apparently uh, this is a school that will remain uh, nameless. Uh, they use broomsticks to keep the doors propped open. Um, but but Paul, a little bit a little bit of background about what you do, what you are, how long you've been in this business, why did you get into the business, and let's dig into the COVID special part of it. Thank you very much. Uh, late 90s is when I came into this industry, and uh, I came in because my dad was a physical security expert um, and had had 15 years at Argonne National Labs, which is a Department of Energy facility, and he started the business that then I took over. Uh, he started it in 1984. At the time, it was called Rita Security, and uh, we were acquired by FEA in 2017, but along the way, Um, some credentials, you know, uh, I wrote a book, um, it's all about school security. So I I got imaginative and I call it school security. And, uh, and and so, um, and and I've been able to testify before the Department of Homeland Security for their um, DHS had their big study on school security, and I was invited to testify for that. Cool. And uh, in in school security book, that makes it real easy for a second one, because you could just call it school security two. Um, but I've read the book and the book is uh, a great resource and tool. Um, but you know, you were doing this 365 days a year under normal circumstances where spaces were occupied with students, faculty, citizens, taxpayers, whoever, six weeks ago, that all changed, right? So now we're all, all, all the places that you would normally go are vacant, they're empty or they're not vacant and not empty. And they're supposed to be, um, what, what, what advice would you give people right now regarding those spaces? And I, and I don't mean just the buildings. I mean the whole envelope themselves. What are some best practices or things people should be making sure they're doing? Yeah, thank you. And just to put it in perspective, you're right. Everything is ground to a halt last year. And in the previous years to that, I did well over 100 school security assessments. And so I, I mean, I'm in a building all the time. And uh, it's, it's ground to a halt, as you know, but um, there are certain things that we're talking with schools about. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention a few of them right now. 
first of all, um, I'm in Illinois and, and we just got word that schools are now closed for the rest of the semester joining 35 other states. Um, but when that happened, they said, well, now how do we get belongings back to teachers and students? And um, we're helping with that right now. And there's a few things that we're saying. First of all, um, it's if possible, you wanna have the teachers, especially at the elementary school level, be those that are actually going through the desks and handing the bag to, to the parents, if you can do that. Everybody wants to say hello and feel like there's still a connection. Um, but of course, we're gonna be using our, our personal protective um, devices. Uh, um, and, and so a few things that you want to do, um, invite local law enforcement when you have those days of returning, um, belongings, they're already kind of slow in what they're doing. Um, they're not patrolling the local mall, the local high school, the local park and recreation place. And so invite them with, they're going to want to come with. I'm sure you've heard stories of people who can't celebrate birthdays. And so they do the parade of cars in front of their house and the police are leading that. I mean, if, if police can lead a birthday parade, they can be at your return of belongings. Mm -hmm. uh, we think that people who are directing traffic for the school should be marked with a safety vest. They should have a whistle, a two-way radio, those those kinds of uh, supplies just in case um, we think that um, that we should drop a letter in the bag of belongings that we're returning that basically reminds people please do not use our playgrounds and athletic fields and I want to pause there for just a minute because most states have said that playgrounds and athletic fields are, are off limits well that's very very difficult for a public that's stir crazy Mm -hmm. What do we do when people are, are on our playgrounds or are on our athletic fields? In fact, my own daughter is a collegiate track athlete, and she is now missing the rest of this, this year. But I, she said, I'm going to go work out at the school. And I said, what do you mean? How, how are you even going to get on the, the fields? And she said, I'll just hop the fence. And I was like, I'm out. Um, you know, I'm a security guy, right? I don't want you to be caught hopping a fence. Um, and, it, and, it, and it's difficult to do that. So. What we found is many schools that have security staff, Josh, um, are still employing those security staff. Mm -hmm. And the security staff are watching, patrolling, maybe looking at cameras. And when they're finding people in areas that are prohibited, they've got to go interact with the public. So mm -hmm. make sure again that they have their PPE. They've got the mask on. I mean, if it, it, listen, if so, if you go out and tell someone they can't be on the field and they want to get up in your grill, you don't want to be accused of potentially yeah. spreading something. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, those those are difficult issues. Uh, many many schools have posted signs that say, by uh, uh, order of the governor, these fields are off limit. But um, you know, we're finding that those signs are being vandalized, uh, padlocks are being cut, uh, you know, pe people are damaging gates, fences. So all of those things are issues at this point that we have to be careful about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, you, you just hit something I wasn't expecting. I just saw a post on Facebook and you know how I get, I get about my Facebook posts and people's, uh, some of this silliness. Um, someone assumed that the uh, field and tr the track and field at the high school was reopened because the porta potties were, were were delivered, and that was just on schedule because of the the, the scheduling of mo more likely than not they have a contract with that porta potty company that says, "Hey, 
on April 15th or April 21st, put the porta potties out because we've got track and field, da, 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 they want to get their money um, or they have a contract. And there was that assumption that we were in, I'm in Massachusetts, we're under the same statewide regulations that you're under. We just canceled school until August 31st, which is 131 days from now. Um, and no parks, no, no, no uh, fields are supposed to be accessed. And because the porta potties were delivered, all of a sudden that's on Facebook. And now everybody thinks the track and field's open and they can go out and use it. So uh, good yes. advice, as well as the, the, the uh, you know, I didn't even think about the, the fact that if you by chance didn't have your mask on, that you're that somebody gets in your face and you could be accused of that. That's a good point. Yeah. And by the way, um, and I'll, I'll say one more thing about that. I like posting and messaging of see something, say something at this time, because if something's happening when you don't have security staff there, you mm -hmm. want someone to report that. So local law enforcement can be a help. You want to at least know if somebody has been getting up on the roof or if right. somebody has been climbing the fence in one case, Josh, um, uh, a facility, person told me that the, the, the security person actually watched somebody scale a 10 foot fence to go play tennis with his friend. And I mean, it's not easy to even get in that enclosure to say you can't be here because you've got to go get the key, you've got to unlock the padlock, etc. Yeah. Um, one more thing about padlocks is, um, you know, forever, I find padlocks that are left open. Yeah. And that's terrible if they're attached to a chain, they can be used to put around doors and bad, bad things. So key retained padlocks, and now they actually have Bluetooth padlocks. So from my cell phone, I can unlock the padlock that way. I love it. Yeah. What's, what's, a, what's a price point on one of those Bluetooth? Like, are they getting down in price? I know that some of them were pretty expensive a while back when they first came out. Yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to tell you the price, but I would guess we're below $100, but how far below, I, you know, I, I Yeah, we were well above it when they first came out. I mean, it's a phenomenal idea, yeah. um, especially for accessibility. I mean, to be able to send that ping, I've, I've got the Bluetooth enabled deadbolts on my house yeah. uh, where somebody can call me and say, hey, I'm at your front door and I can ping them to their phone and just with their Bluetooth on their phone, they can unlock my door, which is pretty cool. Right. Um, but that's a, that's a, that's a great point. I was just going to ask you about, you know, how do you manage, you know, key management with padlock doors or, or combination doors, as far as knowing who, who the, who the person who, who's got access to it. But I think the Bluetooth would answer all those, answer all those questions with a check mark. So, um, you know, one of the, uh, one of the challenges that I'm seeing, and I don't know if you listen to the podcast with Paul Anastasi about after hours use of buildings and what our new normal might look like, um, we're going to have to do something called reoccupy, right? At some point, we're going to have to go back to these schools that we've been going to for hundreds of years, using for classes, using for gym, for gym time, using for pickleball tournaments, using for all different reasons. Um, what do you envision? What do you? What are maybe some of your 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 no cost, low cost best practices that people should start? Because we should really be preparing for that reoccupy. Even though I just said 131 days. We really need to be re planning this reoccupying of the building today, yesterday, yes. you know, when March 16th when this started. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? And what are your, some of your suggestions? Yeah, good. And one of the first things I do is have somebody in facilities walk the perimeter of the building from probably from the inside and just make sure that doors are functional. Uh, doors and, and, wet and seasonal changes and, and not non-use um, can seize up. They can have all kinds of issues and we don't want to encounter those issues once the public is back in the building. Let's walk around and make sure those doors are functional. Let's remove the door props. So for example, take a hold of the broom behind you and get that out of there mm -hmm. um, so that 
it's not even a temptation. We want to make sure that any electrical panels that are in public areas are secured. Uh, we find this over and over again in assessments. There's an electrical panel, and if I can just open it up, I can flip breakers and stop the supply of electricity to parts of the building or worse, equipment. And mm -hmm. then just flipping it back on could damage equipment as well. So those electrical panels, let's make sure that they're all secured. Let's make sure that vegetation is trimmed at entries along walkways and in parking lots. So we have good natural surveillance, good lines of sight, and there's no areas of concealment. That, that's an easy one. I mean, I think everyone knows the metrics now. Shrubbery in those areas should never be more than three feet tall. All mm -hmm. tree limbs should be cleared at least eight feet high, again, for good natural surveillance. When we say natural surveillance, we talk about exterior lighting being good. It, it, you know, if no one's been reporting that lights are out, it's up to us to check and find out that they're, they're not functional. Spot on. Yeah. Yep. Um, we want to make sure that there's really good visitor management. And, and this is something I'm saying, even for parents who, or teachers who are picking up their belongings, we want to say this, we want to say, let's have some good wayfinding signs. You've seen this at grocery stores where they're, they're, they're almost having six foot markers and lanes that you stand yep. in. There's nothing wrong with doing that and getting ready for when people come in, because you know this, Josh, when people come back in, there's going to be some moms who don't want their kid anywhere near another kid. And right. there's going to be some kids who are bouncing off of other kids and hugging anything that doesn't move or that does move. So um, wayfinding signs, visitor management, it, this is our opportunity to get all of those things that have not been in place in place so that we we can minimize the amount of headaches that we're facing once once the public does come back. Touch on the visitor management. I know that you have a product that you that you love. I, I love it. More than welcome to share it. Um, but just the idea of what visitor management is and just because it, a lot of folks don't know this. A lot of people just put a sticker that says, hi, my name is Bob and walk around. For me, I think this is a great topic because this is something if you don't have it, there's no better time to implement it than right now when you have time and work from home and everything else. So give a little 10,000 foot view of what that definition means to you. Sure. Uh, let me first of all say that I hate stickers more than the spoken word can tell. So, um, I, and by the way, a public registry is anathema. I don't know how in a day of privacy and HIPAA and all of the things that, that are governing our privacy, we could still leave. And, and by the way, sometimes I come to a main desk at a school and there's three registries, one for the visitors, one for students sign in, sign out, and one for staff sign in, sign out. There's no way I should be able to walk up and get all that information and you know I, I sometimes I'll walk up and I've got my phone I'll just take a couple photos and I'll put it in the security report saying how did you possibly and I'll, I'll take that photo of the visitor registry after I sign in as Beyonce because no one's even looking at that registry anyway <laughs> I so love that story <laughs> let's remove registries um, let's ask people to produce a photo ID and let's us sign them in either electronically or in a paper registry that we're keeping private. Let's give them a badge that hangs on a colored breakaway lanyard. So all visitors are wearing whatever red breakaway lanyards with a visitor badge saying I've been authorized. And let's hold on to that idea until they come back and return that badge. And we know that they've left through the place that we wanted them to egress. Yeah. That's a credential exchange. Let me ask you, what's a percentage of schools that you go to today that still don't have a breakaway lanyard? Is it still high? 
Oh, yes, of course it is. It's getting better, but it feels like a trip to the dentist every time. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So uh, it is getting better. Yeah. No, you only got to get pulled, pulled on one of those things once. Uh, and especially in an environment like a school uh, where it's very easy to do and where more people are doing it, that uh, it's such a simple two word uh, breakaway. Uh, yeah. that people should have and, and it, should, it, it should actually be policy in my opinion because I just think it's just absolutely dangerous um, so we got so we got reoccupy, reoccupying getting planning every single podcast I've done on COVID uh, that, that talks about spaces talked about it with, with the uh, Cincinnati Zoo I talked about it with Paul Anastasi uh, I talked about it with all these all these different people uh, the grass still grows the shrubs still grow everything still grows during COVID the world has not stopped and it is very important to make sure that one, we understand that. So when we're talking about budgets and money for, especially for schools and communities, that that work still has to happen. And then two, you got to make sure that it happens for safety and security purposes. And I've been to schools where the grass is, you know, three feet high and the branches are uh, five feet off and you got two feet of in between that you can actually do any of that security ma management. So that's a, that's a really a big one. That's a no cost, low cost, already cost. Uh, that you're taking care of. Um, what do you think? I, I, let's let's get completely like crystal ball. Paul Tim's thinking six months from now, use of buildings after hours. You know that's one of my big my big hitting points because I just find um, I find that the, the communities have such high expectations of of use, utilization of space, meaning school buildings, to be able to access the kitchens and the libraries and the gymnasiums and everything else with low to no management of security and safety, no, no real head count in a lot of cases, um, you know, run, run of the place. What do you think that looks like? I mean, is it gonna go back to business as usual and everybody just gets to use the space? Do you foresee, you know, impl implementing a mask wearing? Is there gonna be a, 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 you know, not a standardized, but is there, is there gonna become a best practice of knowing who's in the building all the way down to their name so you can track if another one of these happens? Because I could envision you know, my, my warp, weird brain is sitting here saying, man, if somebody tests positive and they were at a pickup basketball game at the gymnasium on Wednesday and they got sick on Friday and we start to trace back, I want to know who's at that Wednesday pickup basketball game so we can notify them and let them know, hey, someone was at the basketball game tested positive to minimize risk. Yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of people are doing that. What do you, what do you think that looks like? four to six months when this starts to clean up a little bit and life gets back to some form of normal? Well, first of all, let me answer your original question. Do, we, do I think that things are gonna to return to the way they were? And I wanna say this, I hope they don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hope they don't. And here's, here's what I would like to see changed and what we've been recommending for a while. Number one, our rental agreements and usage agreements have no security language in them whatsoever. It's time to put the security language in them. Mm -hmm. And security doesn't have to make a new form. We could just do what I call the outside organization addendum attach it to that and have you, you have three or four, maybe five items, and I'm gonna give you a couple ideas. One item would be this, uh, please please issue uh, in 24 hours in advance of, of your visits, 
who the potential attendees are going to be, which goes right to your point of, I got to know who's going to be in my building and who's been in my building. So we want to know that we want to call their attention to the fact that we have posted evacuation maps. Right now, people mindlessly walk into places. They never even have oriented themselves with where egress routes are, where shelter in place areas are, or rally areas outside. We should definitely have a see something, say something component. If you witness suspicious activity, please contact so-and-so at such-and-such a number. So, you know, and I'll give you a couple more of it. I think we should absolutely have a security component in our rental agreements. Number two is we're used to having just an administrator on duty. It's not good enough. The incident command system says we have to have an incident commander and a backup and a backup to that person. We have to have an operations person and a backup and a backup to that person. So what I, what I like to say is you can look at something like the staff skills survey and just Google that. And if you can't find somebody younger who can, but anyway, go find the staff skills survey that should be sent out to all of your staff, even if that person's not a teacher, they're just a coach for your sports. Mm -hmm. And we should find out what skills and certifications and preparedness they have in place. Maybe they're former law enforcement. Maybe they keep emergency supplies in their vehicle. Maybe, maybe they can speak more than just English as a language. We need to know if from a preparation standpoint, who we have in the building and how they can help if there's an incident. Now, one more thing I wanted to say is on the masks part and, and also, in fact, on the temperature part, because, you know, schools already have gunshot detection systems, vaping detection systems. You bet schools are going to have temperature detection yep. systems as well. I'm not in any way advocating for those things, but what happens when we find that? Who is going to address that person? What's their policy? We should be documenting all of those things right now, including masks. Mm -hmm. What would be our policy? Let's, let's put a straw man together and start blowing it apart so we don't have to be reactive. Mm -hmm. I mean, and by the way, it's going to be interesting what we do with masks. Are kids going to return with masks? And if they are, I mean, who's deciding what kind they are, how we're social distancing, and what happens when that visitor comes in with a mask and, and then gets to go wherever they want to go, especially after hours? That's difficult. So now is the time to start uh, collaboratively putting together these practices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And I, what, I, what I'm really feeling and listening to you and just kind of my feelings on this is, I think a lot of school administrators and, and, and superintendents and boards have struggled with implementing these security regulations and these, and these requirements because of pushback. And now I think that they can leverage this pandemic to get buy-in and support telling the right story, which is the true story. You know, before it was just wanting to be big brother or you're just, you know, you're just doing this for whatever reason. Now it's a legitimate issue. Now it's, hey, we really need to know who's in here for the safety and health of not just you, but our entire community. And I agree with you. I think that there's going to be, you know, this is going back to, I think, 2014 when the, when the potential for the Ebola outbreak happened. I flew to Dallas the day after that patient was admitted, and I got to the car service at the airport, and they took my temperature. And, they took, and they, the driver took their temperature, and it was actually a cell thermometer that had access to um, a cell, cell phone subscription. So it was actually sending the, the readings back to the driver's company to make sure. So the technology's there. It just hasn't been adapted. And it's just a, 
a new level of, I guess, temporary discomfort for a long, a long time of, of, of comfort, I guess, and security. So um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bit scared on the mask idea. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm buying, I'm using them and I'm, I'm wearing them and everything else, but I just hate to think that that's the world that we're going to potentially be living in where people are going to be wearing masks for a while uh, to just, to just go out. It's been a tough thing for me to grasp. And listen, as you mentioned, a heightened sense of awareness is our friend. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. The more people are, are and, and I'm not wanting to confuse that with paranoia. But <laughs> which, you, which you may or may not have accused me of once or twice in the day. <laughs> but somebody who's being careful, that, that, that is somebody who I want on my side. Somebody mm-hmm. who's walking around with a Mayberry mentality, that person is doing nobody any good, including themselves. And I always compare it to a, a safe driver, a defensive driver. They're not so afraid that they won't be on the road or they pull over as soon as they see another motorist. But mm-hmm. they're also not driving around la, 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 like there's, there's no uh, threats or vulnerabilities to be careful about so heightened awareness is going to be good for sure and and this is the time like you said we're doing it for the kids we're doing it for the safety of everybody that's this is the time to capitalize on that yeah 100 percent uh i think this has been been great uh um just some some great takeaways i think that there's a lot to learn here that a lot more to learn and i think that this is a work in progress this is a daily minute changing uh world that we're going through right now with this stuff um yeah are you still doing assessments or you're not you mean are you you off the road i know you and i talked briefly about this but i mean what what's what are you doing right now and and how do people get a hold of you if they want to learn more or do more yeah thank you for asking and uh pretty much you know most of the facilities that we work with are are closed but i will tell you um we we have on letterhead that we're an essential uh business to be able to be in places like that but we're actually, gosh, doing our first virtual assessment in the state of Minnesota next week. And they can't let us in, but they can let in their own employees and they're gonna go in with the camera and, yeah. and take video and we're gonna analyze. So we've we've had to outfit them with the things to, that we want them to look for. And it's it's interesting, you know, we're, we're all adapting to this. In terms of contacting me, um, my email address is paul.tim at FEA, which is Facility Engineering Associates, F-E-A-P-C, public corporation.com. Um, or, um, you know, th- there's a variety. I mean, they could just Google Paul Tim. And they'll, I think they'll be able to find me if they put school security in there. Yeah. So Paul Tim, school security anywhere, uh, paul.tim, and that's two M's at the end, uh, at F-E-A-P-C.com. And, uh, they can, they can track you down, have you do an assessment, get some more information, buy your book. I strongly suggest, regardless of where you are, if you're in education, buy his book. Um, you, don't, you don't stay in the school safety and security business since the 90s if, uh, if you, unless you're doing things right. And some of these things that I know I sit in your class, I still sit in your class and learn stuff today, 15 plus years later, whatever it is the first time we met. Um, but a lot of the stuff you just go, man, that seems like such common sense. But the reality is, People aren't doing it, and you're you're bringing that awareness to people and telling them this is what you need to do, and here's why. And I think that you did a lot here that could help some folks that might have even just a little bit of worry or concern of how to approach people. Like that's the simplest thing is how to approach people. I love to see something say something. I think putting for anybody that's listening that 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 is seeing stuff on social media where people are getting shunned and shamed. Tell those people that they should have called the police or called security or gone to someone that could have effectively done something because posting it and shaming him 
on social media is only adding to the impact of negative stuff. We want to be positive through all this stuff. And I think that most, a lot of people don't do it with malice and poor and bad intent. I think some people are going stir crazy, cabin fever, what have you. I'm home. You and I spoke last night uh, and I told you I've been home for 40, now 41 days straight. And it was like, there was a dead calm silence uh, that you were, you were amazed that I was still alive and I was, I was here and that I've only left the house like a couple of times. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people are just, they're, they're just trying, they just need to get out and, uh, and they're That's not, right. I wonder if Josh, the road warrior can be Josh, the homebody. <laughs> so good for you. Figuring it out, my man, figuring it out. Uh, well, listen, I really appreciate you doing this. I, I, I tell you, I thank you for your service and doing everything that you and your team can do to make our schools as safe as they possibly can be and driving that awareness. And now I just gave you another thing to do, which is look for those broomsticks because, <laughs> I, I wasn't looking for him before, but uh, I, I appreciate you, my friend. And yeah. as always, the dude's always beside you if we can do anything to help and uh, uh, look forward to having you on here again. Yeah, I'm Enjoy. thankful for our friendship. Yeah, me, me too. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I just can't, there's no words that can express the pe- the professionals that have become friends over the years that just truly uh, are in this for the right reason. So keep keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, and that'll wrap it up here for the Dude Solutions Operate Intelligently podcast. This is, this is the fifth or sixth COVID awareness podcast. We're going to keep doing this as long as you guys are in this challenge and we're in it together with you. And we're going to keep bringing professionals like Paul uh, and others to you. And hopefully you get something from it. If you have a suggestion to us, please drop us a line. Let us know what, we, what you're looking for, what you need, or maybe even a, a great guest suggestion. Uh, always open to it. So uh, appreciate it. Paul, go back to Chicago time and enjoying your day. And uh, to the listeners, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Thanks again. Virtual hug. Yeah, virtual hug. Can't wait for the real one. I'm going to have my t-shirts and say free hugs next time you see me. Thanks for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast produced by Dude Solutions. You can reach us by emailing dspodcast at dudesolutions.com or check us out on the web at dudesolutions.com.